0: Good afternoon. I almost said good morning, but uh, I guess it's only good morning to those of you who live in other time zones yet. So good afternoon. I'm Constitutional Attorney Catherine Henry, and this is Liberty Laurie. And uh, we want to welcome you to Restore Freedom Weekly, episode 48 already. That seems crazy. Um, And uh, it seems like a lot in some respects, I guess, to me, but in other respects, we did hundreds of videos, hundreds and thousands of hours long of videos in 2020 alone. So really 48 shouldn't seem like a lot to me, (laughs) but, but these are a little bit more, uh, fine-tuned, uh, and, and composed or planned um, and whatnot. So I'm going to uh, apologize to those of you who are watching and not just going to be listening on the podcasting platforms later with this episode because it's another super humid day in Florida. And so what does that mean? My hair is not going to dry until maybe about eight o'clock tonight. And then if it does, uh, you know, it's um But
1: it's, I think it looks great. Well, <laughs> it
0: looks like my computer's having a hard time see or like the camera's having a hard time even focusing on my hair because <laughs> of the I don't know cuz it's wet. So, uh, I do have hair. I'm not trying something funky. I'm not trying to be distracting with the video today. Um but uh wanted to forewarn you that I can't do anything about it. Um it just won't dry today. Um all right. So, um okay. Oh great. We have somebody on here that I want to help us get this topic rolling. First of all, hello to John on YouTube, um Rick on Facebook, uh the Liberty Cause on YouTube, uh Don on Facebook or excuse me on YouTube. Thank you so much for joining us today and and for Thank commenting you. to let us know you're there. Um, and, uh, it looks like, (laughs) um, well, thank you to, uh, to the person commenting on YouTube who also at times throws, uh, hair in a ponytail. Uh, so (laughs) that's what I started with and, and, uh, I've been trying to heed your advice. I know my husband also likes my hair down, but, um dang, it just won't dry. So anyway, um, we do have a question. Our very first one was actually before the live stream um, was even scheduled to start. Um, And it was um, what to do if a city wants to hide stuff and says your records request will be over $1,000. That is a very good question. And Lori, uh, I don't know, can you make yourself a little note, I want to come back to that later, because it's going to be um, the most I want to give it the most context uh, and and that'll be an important one to address. So um, let's see. Um, oh, interesting. Um, all right. So, I, didn't. Um,
1: I think oh. I was trying to turn it off while you were, I'll let you control the chat. <laughs> okay.
0: um, well, let's see here. Um, first of all, uh, to those of you who just might be wondering about the um, Mr. Catherine Henry, as he jokes, he calls himself. Um, he is here, but he's on Rumble, and Rumble, unfortunately, so far is one of those that we love to get people over on and watching us live. But you just can't comment live because we can't see that in the uh, in the software that we're using. It doesn't pull that way. Um, but anyway, ooh, this just keep throwing this up um, every so often, Lori, if, if there's a lull in conversation, God bless the constitution. Um, but I, my first ooh that I saw before we really got started was um, a comment from, uh, I can't see what the rest of the, we the people FOIA. We ya the
1: people FOIA, yep.
0: Is uh, the name on YouTube. Uh, so thank you for joining us, we the people FOIA. And the comment is draft legislation that requires a document management and repository standard what's funny is uh and i don't remember we the people foia if you're someone that i i know or not personally if you're from michigan or not but um if you know anything about the restore freedom initiative petition which started I guess i'll just stand up a little bit so you guys can see this was uh, one of the shirts we had initially oh lori's got the sweatshirt on there um that's where the restore freedom name came from initially my law firm was its own thing Uh, but in that petition part of what was in there was that government entities of all shapes and sizes of all levels of all branches had to have a a record-keeping system that made sense And that was automatically putting documents and videos and whatever, any kind of public records that it was more held online than it was not. So that, um, you know, less and less public records or FOIA requests, Freedom of Information Act requests even would have to be made and um in that system it it was talking about then if if people made additional requests where uh, information was determined oh that isn't online yet well then they would then have to go and put it online Um, as well, in those circumstances. And then all Freedom of Information Act requests would be free because it would just be putting it on the internet and providing the person who's requesting it with the link to that exact information. There's no printing needed. Uh, The time should not be charged to anybody because we already pay them for their time. They shouldn't get paid again for us to get information when they work for us. That's just the dumbest thing i've ever heard yes uh i'm gonna go hire an employee uh to work for my law firm and i'm gonna have to pay them a salary uh and then on top of that every time i ask them to do something give me information so that i can continue to do my job i'm gonna have to pay them again just to give me that information uh that's not how this works so at any rate we're gonna get uh get going here um on the topic but um all right so
1: and, and just to go back to the um, petition, you have told people that you'd be willing to be that attorney for the petition if they wanted to run it again. So if somebody wants to start taking your petition seriously, they can do the boots on the ground stuff. But you'll be that one in any court at any time fighting it for them. So
0: Yeah, but I, and I just paid the 450 bucks. To renew my state bar license in uh, Michigan. So, uh, and by the way, it is, uh, what is it called? Um, um, Giving Tuesday, I think is what it is. Yeah, I was
1: just thinking that too.
0: (laughs) So, uh, keep in mind, guys, since uh, the beginning of 2020, I have sat aside paid cases, thousands of paid cases. Hundreds of thousands of dollars. I could have been making yeah. it not more. I mean, yes. quite frankly, I could have made more
1: for the calls um, that I've been getting. You would have, you would have had some really huge cases, right? You know, that I we mean, just can't groundbreaking, take
0: groundbreaking cases. I set aside those because I'm only one person, and I would rather help the many if I have to choose between helping a few or helping the many. So I participated in cases. Uh, arguing in the Supreme Court, et cetera, where my work was literally going to impact directly uh, all of the people in the entire state of Michigan, for example. Um, And I will continue to work on cases where uh, I will have that um, the most impact. But um, I do this show now because I also want to make sure I'm giving you guys information. It's, It's one thing for me to be out there fighting the freedom fight, But what good is it going to do if I'm the only one really doing it? You guys need to be empowered, empowered to do things. That's the point of today's episode. You need to be uh, given the tools. Sometimes they're just really easy and and simple and people think, wait, that's really going to do something. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to tell you about those. And sometimes they're more complicated and it, it's about legal briefs or arguments or, you know, court proceedings. And that all needs to be made much more uh, tangible, much more real, much more accessible to the average person. I'm sick and tired of having to rely on attorneys and judges to fix crap around here because the legislatures don't know what they're doing. Um, but the uh, the courts don't know what they're doing either. And certainly way too many attorneys um, don't quite get it right. Don't quite argue the, you know, the concepts that need to be argued and, and they charge a lot of money. And well, I I know why they charge money, a lot of money Um, because, well, we have a lot of student loan debt. So even with Biden's plan, um, because my student loans are too old to have gotten a single ounce of any of the Trump or Biden student loan relief, just for what it's worth um, that since COVID. My student loans literally have gotten zero relief. Um, so anyway, Giving Tuesday, please consider that all the work that we're doing is for free and we're not made of money. <laughs> this house that we have down here in Florida is uh, a quarter of the size of the one that we had in Michigan where we were running all the petitions through. And, uh, and so, you know, we're living you know, to the best of our means, but shoot that 450 bucks or $446, whatever it was um, that I just had to pay yesterday to uh, renew my Michigan law license. Where's that going to come from? If I'm not able to take paid cases, cause I'm doing thanks this work. Thanks Mike well. for working. <laughs> yeah, well, thanks Mike for working, but that doesn't cover all of it. We still got. Yeah, cases. I
1: know. <laughs> um,
0: so anyway, um, okay. All right, we got, um, I guess, Lori, let me know if we have... some other stuff, comments and things I need to address, but uh, otherwise, let's get started because I didn't even tell you what we're doing here today. So like I said, this is episode 48 ar- already, um, and I probably uh, I haven't even had a chance to tell uh, Lori or Mike my thoughts on this yet, but I'm probably going to have to look at the calendar um, this week and determine how many more episodes we'll do yet in 2022 because, well, this week's already December. How is that a thing? Yeah. <sighs> but anyway, hey, at least in Florida, it's still like 70 and 80 and sunshining. Um,
1: I, I and wouldn't all be Michigan able to wear this sweatshirt, would I? <laughs>
0: all my Michigan followers just went click. Nope. <laughs> <Not the laughs> next. Um, but anyway, um, so it's, you know, I, it's obviously hard for us to do things. Like last week, I pre-recorded and then um, even pre- shared the uh, Constitution Segment Recap video since Thursday obviously was uh, Thanksgiving and I wanted to spend some time with family. Um, But um, we're going to have to keep that in mind that you too are going to, you know, be wanting to spend some time with your family during the holidays and, and have a balance of, well, gosh, you might have some free time off of work. That would be a great time for you to catch up on some of these concepts or hear about things maybe for the first time but uh also knowing that uh, every one of us including laurie and mike and i uh will need to have some sort of time off here and to make sure we're totally regrouped and ready to go uh to roll right into 2023 and make some waves because uh trust me 2023 is going to be much more of a splash than what i was able to make in 2022 so um oh i guess i actually have to share the presentation in order for it to um help anybody. So before we do that, um, I'm going to show you something. So Lori and I will just be off in the teeny tiny corner down here. So um, we have White Lake Township board meeting. Very small room, it looks like. uh, But proportionally speaking, lots of people there, Um, babies, older people, people that are middle-aged. Uh, we have a gentleman up there speaking. We have somebody over here recording what he's saying. Uh, we have Alamo Township board meeting. I don't know how what the size of Alamo Township is, but I haven't it's heard of it. small. So I was going to say, this might be everybody in the township. It's somewhere by Kalamazoo. Um, but look at that. <laughs> they had to move the meeting to a gym I'm assuming they're a high school or middle school gym, and um, at any rate, they uh, they are holding their meeting as an impromp in an impromptu location uh, to try to accommodate. Because as you can see, there's tons of people that look like they're standing over on the sides and in the back, um, and then you you have this person uh, who is um, speaking up at this uh, podium right here during this meeting. So that is wonderful. Um, you have uh, Fox News covering uh, the fact that uh, Dearborn, Michigan, uh, school boards um, school board ended a meeting after parents boo a member of the school board. Hmm. But you can see lots of people are here speaking uh, or here to at least observe, if not speak. Um, and that's some of the things we're going to be talking about. So let me pause for a quick second and say uh, this topic is important no matter what state you live in. I'm not covering just Michigan stuff. I'm not covering just Florida stuff. I'm going to give you some examples today of Michigan and Florida things. Um, some actual real life events from those states, some uh, constitutional provisions from those states. But this is something that no matter what state you live in, you uh, you need to hear this. And even if you're someone who's been active, even for decades, there's still things that you might not quite have put together in this way before. So although we are getting, um, I don't know, we have some, some interesting things we're throwing out there at the beginning here to you and, and to those of you who are listening on podcasting platforms later um, don't worry, there's not going to be a whole ton of visual things that you're missing out on. But um, at any rate, this is the Livingston Township board meeting. Again, very, very small uh, area or room. And uh, you can see that they have people that are here. Um, the board members sit around this table and then you have not even a podium, but just a microphone set up. And this individual is up there talking. Looks like they only have maybe two, possibly three rows of chairs. Uh, in this room, and then tons of people standing even outside of the doorway there uh, for whatever topic. Uh, this is Fenton Township Board Meeting. That is around the Flint area, uh, I believe Genesee County, and uh, looks like quite a big um, room. And although there are some empty chairs, it looks like kind of a packed house there. And uh, of course, he we have a gentleman here who is up speaking during public comment time there. Uh, Dickinson County, we have people here and um, looks like they're actually holding that in a courthouse. So sometimes if they know they're going to have a hotly contested, uh, hotly debated issue, and they're going to have more people from the public showing up than normally would come to the meetings, uh, they are required under Michigan law to go to another location that is feasible to make things um, happen. Okay, Cedar Springs uh, board meeting. Says um, says county, but uh, there's no Cedar Springs County in Michigan. I'm not sure if that was the uh, township. That would be my
1: fault. Okay.
0: <laughs> um, I'm assuming it's township. I can't remember off the top of my head. I think yeah, it's,
1: yeah, I just it's got caught of, up in the... <laughs> uh,
0: but that's a northern uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan area, um, so western mm-hmm. side of the state. And, man, that is a packed house um still though and actually yeah you can't even see all the people that are there because you can see way out at the door here there are people that are outside it looks like possibly outside of the building there for the meeting which reminds me i didn't even think to try to grab one of the pictures from just last year um in september i think it was september um at the ottawa county commissioners meeting Uh, where they had uh, over a 1,000 people show up last minute to an Ottawa County Commissioner's meeting uh, to address some of the concerns over how the local government had been handling things. This is Kent County Board meeting. Now, that's Grand Rapids and the surrounding cities, um, so the the Cedar Springs um, one is actually in Kent County. Ironic that this one only has like one other dude in the room, but I could tell you where they hold these meetings is a smaller, um, it's a smaller room and uh, I find it quite interesting. I think it's press that gets to sit back here at the tables. Um, And I think, I think I've been in this particular room. It looks like there's their normal room. Um, Interesting. I don't remember there being uh, this area that's roped off. Like you can't even, how dare you think to come close to the people that work for you. Um, but, uh, and anyway, it looks like we have a gentleman here who is sharing his thoughts with the board meeting, uh, with the board members there, Berrien County board meeting, very small quarters there. Um, and, uh, interesting that the names here are shown sideways so that the chair of the meeting could call people out, but I sure hope that means the names are displayed on the other side as well so that the members of the public can also see who is speaking and sharing their thoughts. Um, St. Clair County board meeting, not a ton of people here, but there are some and uh, definitely obviously people that are here speaking. So why am I showing you this? I guess you're going to see as we go on here. So All right. Um, I'm going to switch over to, uh, this. Okay. So, um, Oh, I'm stretching the wrong thing. Trying to make best use of our size of our screen here. Okay. So, um, this is, like I said, episode 48 of Restore Freedom Weekly and um, our topic today is how to stand up to local government. might seem simple, but it's that straightforward. How to stand up and fight back legally to local government when they go astray, when they act in a tyrannical fashion, when they're trampling your rights. Is your local government trampling your rights Are you afraid to stand up against them? Maybe you just don't know how to do it. Well, today we're going to be covering the basics of the true powers of local government. Far too many people think that they have much more power than what they do. How those powers relate to your individual rights. What you can do when those municipalities or local governments trample your rights. And we're going to give you some real-life testimonies. Of legal ways to fight back. I have a lot of talking to do in four minutes before our special guest. <laughs> is oh, and our special guest is already ready. Um, and uh, hey, Lori, can you do me a favor? Can you shoot a text over to our special guest in that group uh, chat and just clarify if I'm going to need to have... Um, I see there's two that have joined in, so if I'm just showing the one or both and that kind of thing, when we get to that point. Yep. Oh, and it looks like we have some cleanup to do on aisle three. Um, When you're done with that, Lori, we have some YouTube uh, stuff that needs to be banned. I
1: actually got those. Okay. I got both of them. They're going to still show on our side, but they're going on the other side
0: okay oh there's two sets of them it looks like
1: yeah and they're oh, all gone. okay i got uh, jeff helping in the background oops okay. sorry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no one knows of which uh, the person is that we speak anyway all right so our true false question of today which is out there it's still live for you to participate in Several options exist to fight back. Several, several options exist to fight back when local governments trample your rights. You, as an individual, options for you. Please, if you haven't done it yet today, take the few seconds, especially, you know, while you're watching this, episode or listening to it later um, this afternoon on the podcasting platforms, uh, or, you know, when you get home from work today or whatever, take a few seconds, find this um, question in a poll on Twitter, Telegram, LinkedIn, Truth Social, YouTube, or even on our website, restorefreedomkh.com updates, and you'll be able to see the link to answer there without having to need any kind of uh, email address or social media credentials. You can just answer it anonymously that way. All right. So <clears throat> I know you guys have heard these things many times from me, but this is important to understanding today's topic. The basics that we need to remember, governments are instituted to protect our God-given rights. We get our rights from God, not the government. Government, though, has absolutely no rights. No government has any rights. In fact, government only has those powers which we delegate to it. So couple of things to keep in mind with that, that it's we the people that created our Constitution and our very form of government, and the U.S. Constitution, the one we started with, is the supreme law of the land. This means that government cannot act unless there is a specific power delegated or granted by the Constitution, and government is prohibited from doing anything that violates the U.S. or state constitutions, and every government official is sworn to the constitutional oath of office. But here's, from a different perspective, summarizing this concept in a way that we haven't talked about before. I'm sorry guys, my allergies are really kicking up in the last couple days. So, um, it's starting to get to me. But um, anyway, so this is a different perspective, like I said, than what we've covered before. But federal government only has those powers which we delegate to it through the US Constitution. That's our federal government. State government only has those powers which were delegated to it in the US or state constitutions. So the US Constitution does have a few, very few, places where specific authorities or powers are itemized or talked about. Um, The ones that come to my mind are things of like um, powers of the chief executive, a governor, or the chief um, elections official, which would be the secretary of state for most um, states, uh, what their roles are in in different um, scenarios. Uh, And local government local government only has those powers delegated to it in the state constitution because no powers are delegated to local governments in the U.S. constitution. The U.S. constitution doesn't set things up in a way that local governments, uh, first of all, even have to exist. But secondarily that if they exist, that they have certain functions or duties or, um, powers to do anything. None of that happens in the U.S. Constitution for local government. So local governments only get powers from the state constitutions. And uh, just kind of recapping on something we've touched on a couple of times. Local government in the state constitution. Then. So we're going to take a peek at that Michigan Constitution and you can look to um, Article 7. That's the chapter or article on local government township government, the township level, which in Michigan, um, the township, it, it, basically you're in a city, you're in a village, or you're in a township. It's one of the three in Michigan. In Florida, you are in city limits, or you are in the county, um, out county, or um, there's different ways that it's referred to, but it's basically you're, you're either in a city or a village, or you are in just county land, (laughs) where there is no uh, municipal uh, body other than the county government. So at any rate, uh, township government would uh, then in some respects be kind of like that um, gap filler that the um, in Florida the the county government provides. But anyway, so Article 7, Section 17, Article 7, Section um, 18, talking about Ah, uh, the powers and immunities that are provided by state law. I smile because uh, i'm uh, I'm realizing that it wasn't really until today that it hit me how inherently unconstitutional this part of the Michigan state Constitution is. Uh, and um, that the powers of township boards and uh, the clerk, treasurer, trustees, supervisor, Um, I was on one of these such boards when I was living up in Michigan. Um, The legislative and administrative powers and duties are provided by law. So why did I smirk about that? Well, township government cannot simply have powers and immunities provided by law. They can't do that. I don't care what state you're in. You can't have a state constitution that just says, well, the legislature will, will tell us what powers our local government officials can do. Uh, why? We have a Republican form of government. Let's really think about that. It's simple. Legislators have the power to make laws. We have a representative form of government where we retain the ultimate control and authority. We elect representatives. We don't elect people to be representatives who then turn around and create new representatives underneath them in some fashion no we elect representatives to do the job the administrative functions of government so legislators um have the power to make laws and not to make more legislators um couple of quick points and then we're going to bring in our special guest who's really going to put all this into perspective for us. So city and village government in the um, Michigan Constitution, uh, this is a little bit more realistic here, talks about that the Michigan cities and villages have power to adopt resolutions and ordinances relating to its municipal concerns, municipal property, municipal government, of course, all subject to the Constitution and the law. So again, city and village government has power to adopt resolutions and ordinances relating to municipal concerns, municipal property, municipal government, but is subject to the Constitution and the law. And in the Florida State Constitution, we're going to look at Article 8, Section 2 and talking about municipal governments, that they have the power to conduct municipal government, perform municipal functions and render municipal services. So again, what does that look like? Well, in Florida, the way they look at it is that municipalities have powers to conduct municipal government, perform municipal functions and render municipal services and exercise any power for municipal purposes. So uh this is where I wanted to have um uh okay sorry i was looking at um the liberty cause liberty cause if you are still with us and can hear us okay um yes uh archangel you would be able to ask a question on youtube um i might have to pause on Uh, and figure out where the timing would best be to answer your question, but please fire away uh, on any of today's topics. Um, Okay, so yes, the Liberty Cause. uh, Can you help us understand what some um, municipal government functions would be? Um, Municipal services, and uh, Lori, you too as well, um, what are some that come to mind for you for municipal service or function?
1: Well, um, uh, managing the roads and potentially the drainage in the area, um, on the spot (laughs) question. You're making me think too hard, but I mean, it, it could be from that to, um, the parks in the area, uh, Maintaining government property in in the general sense. Um,
0: Yep. And like um, the Liberty cause says water, sewer, fire services. Exactly. Um, And somebody else comments on here, trash pickup. Um, So I do have a few more things we're going to touch on, but um, this is where, you know, oh, and down here, of course, he points out to something else. Hurricane cleanup and basic trash. Yes um so let's see here
1: um just so we, bring him in he said what's it's, that it's just to break just bring yeah. him in he said yep okay
0: so speaking and i of think
1: which, J- me, it's just you too or did you want me to stay
0: um just throw me it. out
1: when you don't want me <laughs>
0: um first of all let me see. See, shoot! I'm gonna unshare our presentation here just a minute, and uh, I'll. Oh, let's see. Okay. So, um, all right. He
1: needs more lighting. You can hardly see his face. Oh, Do you have any uh, light you can turn on or something?
0: Not really. <laughs> uh, so, it I'm noticing okay. a, a lot of trees that have no leaves. You must. See it <laughs>
2: Yeah, <laughs> yes. snow we had last week. So um,
0: yes, yes, you had that. Ha ha ha. ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I mean, hey, I've had two hurricanes this season. So um, <laughs> all right, so Uh. I wanted to you, you kind of cheated on putting your name in there. So he calls himself uh, in the in the on the screen here, just Joel. But especially since we'll have people listening on the podcasting platforms later, uh, I wanted to give you more of a proper introduction, full introduction. So, um, can you throw out there your your name for people and um, what uh, what are the you know what what's your main profession and then what have you been getting more known for in the last two and a half years?
2: Well. Uh, Joel Ivetson is my name. I live in Barrie County, Michigan. Um, My profession, I drive trucks so that I can afford to farm. Uh, But what I've been uh, known more notably in the county for since 2018, I started a group called the Local Government Accountability Forum. And I guess one of my uh, claims to fame here is that we started it before it was cool to do that. Obviously, 2020 introduced all kinds of uh, Um, dynamics when it came to uh, uh, holding government accountable, and we were on record doing this uh, prior to that, so.
0: I'm just playing around with our screen here. There we go. I wasn't trying to get rid of Lori, but I wanted to get your face a little bit bigger so people could see you, (laughs) so.
1: You can get Um, rid of me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah, so you started the local accountability forum, and the first meeting that you had, um, I'm trying to remember, I wasn't, was I at, like, the second meeting that you had?
2: Uh, actually, uh, you you were at, the, we had our protest in front of the courthouse in December of 20. Yeah, wasn't it around, wasn't it around? No, that was actually some meetings after that. Um, uh, the, the very first meeting we had actually uh, incorporated our local sheriff, Darleif, and we had oh rough somewhere between 25 and 30 people at that meeting and it's morphed to where we've had uh, as many as 150 for example at our candidates forum that we had uh, back in march i believe of this spring earlier this year
0: there was something in um in june that you had candidates at too oh, yeah. right
2: yeah in Waldorf, that was one of our regular monthly meetings that we had. Uh, um, yeah, that, that you happened to, we managed to nab you while you were in Michigan. And so it worked out very well.
0: Yeah, you filled up that whole room there. So um, <laughs> yes. good job on that.
1: Do you remember what you said at the beginning of that meeting, Joel? You quoted somebody? Oh, the, the oh my th-
0: thunder, th- Lori. There's I was th- going to th- have him talk about that. Oh, but- <laughs> sorry. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Uh, so there's someone that I encourage everyone to watch. And now some things he gets a little wild on, on YouTube. He's, he's no longer alive anymore. He's been dead for a number of years, but his name is Carl Miller, Carl with a C. And he really stresses the importance of knowing your rights. If you don't know your rights, you don't have rights. If you don't assert your rights in a timely manner, you don't have rights. So you must know them and you must assert them very quickly um without that time uh, it's it's done and over with after they've already locked you up in jail and thrown away the key your chance of you know it, it's it's done
0: if you don't know your rights you don't have them exactly and it was yes. the way you said it that day as you introduced me to speak at that event in june of this year that it, like, it just clicked for me. It's so simple, it's as simple as that. And, and that's why I've been on the mission that I've been on since um, March of 2020 to try to tell people what's going on, explain the law, explain the constitution, explain the functions and powers and responsibilities of government and what our rights are. Because if we don't know our rights, we don't have them. And, it, and conversely, I'm gonna add this in there and maybe this is something he would have said, but if you don't know the proper functions, powers, and thereby limits of government, then they don't have any limits. Because who's going to limit them if it's not us? They're not limiting themselves, clearly and something that
2: was mentioned earlier if they asked uh what the functions were of uh, uh local governments uh, for example in our county we have a road commission amongst other things a parks and rec board but i would uh my my simple answer to that is uh how, how would i put this far fewer than we think
0: right of the proper functions yes, right yes of municipal governments yes so um in Archangel, I see that you have a question. Um, it's a little bit longer than I, um, can just jump in to right at the second. So I'm not ignoring you. I see it's there and Lori is going to help make sure that I do come back Mm -hmm. to it. Um, so let's see about this. Um, Lori, um, you can add yourself back on if I, if you need to, right?
1: Yeah, go ahead and kick me off.
0: Okay. So I'm going to throw you off just so we can have room for the, the, presentation part and then um jump right back on when you need to interrupt me or help me catch some questions that I'm skipping. Um only because our screen is only so big. So let's see. How do I do this? Where's Lori? There's Lori. All right. So um and I'm gonna have Joel talk, you know, some specifics about uh some of these situations but um we are just going to um finish um talking about this the reason why i brought him in when i did is because you know this seems simple and and maybe boring like the parts of the of the constitution and and here i i had landed on uh the, the florida constitution um and and joel's in michigan but still regardless we're talking about municipal functions conducting municipal government rendering municipal services municipal if you look up the definition, isn't talking about uh, the ability to control the people's every moves within your jurisdiction, or to have anything to do with the aesthetics of a community or anything like that. It's literally talking about essential services like um, infrastructure and whatnot. Um, At any rate, um, just wanted to point out, you know, you're going to have obviously a lot of State laws on what local governments are supposed to be doing or not doing. Um, Unfortunately, they tend to, uh, state laws tend to go a little bit too much on the giving powers supposedly to local governments than to reminding uh, themselves of how restrained they need to be. Um, but, um, anyway, this stuff will be shared with you in the presentations, especially for those of you who are listening on podcasts later. Um, of course on Thursday with the constitution segment recap, you'll see the slideshow and you'll be able to reference, um, the chapters of Florida statutes, as well as Michigan statutes, uh, that apply in, um, the context of what municipal and local governments are, you know, supposed to be doing, etc. Um, and so a, municipal's, uh, a munis- municipality, say that word three times fast, Joel, uh, <laughs> a municipality's powers are to provide infrastructure, waterways, roadways, utilities uh, to protect our individual liberties so that in my exercise of my rights, I'm not interfering with Joel's exercise of his rights question though, and this kind of relates to some of the questions we've seen in the chat today so far, and of course go straight into uh, some of these um, examples, real-life examples we're going to be talking to you about, but municipal powers, can they supersede individual rights? Uh, so we're going to dive right into that. So what would I be talking about An uh, in individual rights in the context of dealing with municipal government? In case you haven't Let's say you've been lucky enough not to have an example right off the top of your head that you know of, uh, of something impacting you or your family members or your neighbor. Um, well, here's some of the rights that we're talking about. What about the right to equal protection? Equal protection of the law. Equal application of the law. The right to due process. That enco- or, you know encompasses quite a few things. General rights to privacy from government. Uh Criminal trial rights, especially when it comes to um, ordinance violations that have criminal penalties. Unenumerated rights. If you are new to me, you might be hearing that and going, well, what are those? Right. What are those? Those are things that we don't have to enumerate. We have all of those God-given rights that we didn't even list out in the Constitution because we don't have to list them out just to keep them. We already have them because God gave them to us. not the government. Uh, We have the right against bills of attainder, which we've talked about before, but with that due process of law, um, some key concepts, but basically let's remember, you can't be deprived of life, liberty or property without the due process of law. So when we're talking about local governments is every single public officer, every single public employee, are they all really required to ensure that all of those rights are protected? I mean Joel, in your experience, I'm, I'm gonna guess if you just had to base it off of your experience alone, what would you say that they do they think that that's their job to make sure that our rights are protected?
2: Well, it, it all originates before they even start their job when they take their oath of office and the, just just the, the phrase "I do solemnly swear." Uh, Perhaps maybe some of these people need to look up the word solemnly in a dictionary to see what it is exactly they're saying, but but before any of them even engage in any kind of a duty in whatever capacity they're, you know, they're serving officially, uh, they have to take that. And the problem is, is it's become cliche. It's something you say and okay, now it doesn't matter anymore. Uh, now I am the code enforcement officer, and I am going to enforce the city code, whether it violates the Constitution or not. And you know, th- th- they completely shirk the responsibility of making sure that what they are forcing is constitutional to begin with. Um, as, as we know, uh, we've got some s- cases that are going on here locally that uh, are uh, that involve that, and. Uh, You've. I've even provided the city with um, Court of Appeals uh, um, case text that states, you know, this is wrong. They don't care. They just keep on pushing through.
0: So wait a second. Uh, Are you saying, it sounds like you're suggesting that um, the city officials oftentimes think that they need to follow uh, any kind of local ordinance or regulation. And they don't have to consider if it's actually constitutional or not. Unless uh, a court eventually tells them that in that specific case, hey, you can't do this. Is that what you would think that their their perception of how things work is?
2: Well, I, I guess what I would say is it's it's one of the fundamental issues that society has taken on today. And. It's, it's not just with local government. It's everywhere you see it. Uh, if you watch Ben Shapiro, you've probably heard him say over and over again, uh, facts don't care about your feelings. Well, today's generation doesn't care about facts. And that's uh, transferred into local government as well. So you can throw these facts in their face uh, until they're blue in the face or until you're blue in the face. doesn't matter. Uh, they are not going to listen to you until someone of higher authority has said, hey, uh, no, you can't do this, and you could potentially lose your job over it. And it's it's really sad when, you know, even over simple issues, you, you essentially have to bend these people over a barrel before they will even take uh, the slightest notion that perhaps they could be wrong on something.
0: So I love the way that you said that. So we're talking about, you know, the, the famous quote that facts don't care about feelings, and unfortunately, the reality of today is today's generation, people, uh, at least mainstream media and those with a lot of power, unfortunately, more and more of them just don't plain care about the facts. They don't care about the law. They don't care about the facts. They just want to be in their own little reality and do what they please. Um, So, at any rate, um, let's see. I just want to take a...
2: Go ahead i say real quick there there are some advantages to that though when when they are so out of touch with reality that that uh i mean you, you could tell them two plus two equals four and they say no it's purple uh it's the the nice thing about that is when you are surrounded by people like that um which in a large sense i was uh with, well, let me go back to 2016. Um, I took on our school system. I, I took them on prior to that and uh, trying to hold them accountable on a number of issues. And you know, you're doing something right when they have nothing to come back or rebut you with. Um, you know, you're doing something right when they go out to your car and loosen the lug nuts on it, because that means that you've won (laughs) and i'm just a dumb truck driver i cram four years of high school into five i graduated with a 1.2 gpa i farm i i you know that that's that's the extent of my education right there and yet you know even an individual like me I, i can go in and say uh no i i read this word for word uh obviously none of you have um what what gives so it's it's really an incredible opportunity for virtually anyone to be able to, to get in and uh, um, it's, it's a target rich environment.
0: Right. And that's important that, you know, a lot of people look at me and say, well, gosh, you're an attorney, Catherine. So obviously you can go and do these things or you can feel comfortable saying these things uh, or calling out government officials. But what about me? I'm not an attorney. They're not gonna take me seriously. I'm not gonna have an impact. And that was one of the reasons why I wanted to have you here today because You are a truck driver and a farmer and, uh, you know, you don't have legal, um, you know, a legal background, uh, so to speak, you know, going to law school or even um, college, right? Did you say you haven't been to college?
2: Correct. I've taken a college class to understand bond appeasements, but I have never been to college (laughs) though.
0: So I really, you know, I want that to sink in for people that, you know, if you've been listening so far to the little bit so far this episode that we've had Joel talking you might have assumed that he's an attorney or you know he's high up in in some sort of organization or government or whatever that he has all this you know this fancy um you know titles or you know degrees or whatever behind him he's the epitome of the average american and he's showing you that every single person. If you're watching this and you live in the United States and you're a United States citizen, you can do everything that we're going to talk about today. You can do it because he's not the only person that's done this. And he started doing this just to be clear. He and I have been friends for a few years now, but he started doing what he was doing long before we met. So it's not like I encouraged him to get started. And so now he feels empowered and he, you know, um, because I have, you know, gotten several good freedom fighting leaders off and running uh, since 2020, but not this guy. You know, you guys need to realize this is just another person, just like my friend 2AEDU that we had on last week or the week before uh, talking about a lot of things, but especially in the context of Second Amendment rights and things like that. You know, he's just somebody who, you know, he's just an average person who owns his own business, who works hard, who has a family and is sick and tired of government taking rights away that they have no right to do. They have no authority to trample those rights. So anyway, it might seem like a, a point that is belabored, but I can't underscore it enough. It's it's very important because the biggest thing, you know, what's what's that? Um, uh, the quote about um, you know, the way that the the worst way that or the biggest way that you know evil gets to keep going is when good men stand by and do nothing. What well, is the? Remember. Okay. okay. And I, I totally paraphrased and, and, and mushed it around and chopped it up, but you guys know what I'm talking about. And the, and the reason why I bring that up is so many people feel like, well, I don't really have the background. I don't really have the time. I don't really have the know-how. I'm not sure what it would take to make a change, to do something. And you don't have to go through college or go to law school or even take you know a month long course or go back and watch every single episode that i've put out this year to get started you don't even need this episode but this episode is is geared to put you in the position to know to so that you feel comfortable that you can get out there and make some change and fight back stand up for your own rights all right so Your municipality is trampling your rights. Let's let's bring it to one of these examples. Now what? Well, some of the things you can do. Send them a a proper cease and desist letter. Does it have to be from an attorney? No. You can represent yourself. You can protect your own liberties. Uh, You can send them a notice of proposed litigation. Here, I've researched this law, I've seen that there is a, I have a right to sue this, you as a government entity or government official under this law, and I will sue under this law unless you guys take corrective action and do X, Y, Z. Um, urgent, again, you don't have to have an attorney for any of these. Um, Urgent filing of a lawsuit. So maybe you skip the giving of notice and you just have to file a lawsuit to protect your rights because they're about to do something that can't be undone. Maybe that's a route you need to take. Speaking at city council or city commissions as we have them in Florida uh, meetings. Finding and joining with others that have been similarly harmed by their local governments issuing press releases and having a strategic social media campaign if we talk to uh, our friend joe moss who's now uh, an ottawa county uh, commission elect um, and uh, will be leading the ottawa county uh, commission um, board members into the next cycle um you know, he'd be able to talk to us a lot about the different things that they were able to do before they were ever elected. I mean, they were literally just elected. They haven't taken office yet. So, you know, let's look at what that really um, means then for, um, you know, you don't have to be in office. You don't have to even be running for office, but if you can get out there and get a social media presence and really you know, join with like minded people and have an email list or just even a Facebook page or a website and really give information and say, hey, look, there's, you know, the public health department here in our county is putting out XYZ. This is terrible. And just bring attention to it. You can create a firestorm that will lead to um, basically the PR pressures and, and making the county do something. And it could just be a handful of people working together to try to get those things done. We have some examples. Um, My examples will come later, but uh, I've taken on the city of Belding when I lived there as a resident. Um, As a resident, I took them on. Um, Georgetown Township, that was um, a, a city or a township, a municipal government that I took on from the inside out. And the city of Ormond Beach, my current fun that I'm having now, Uh, and the city of Hastings, that's the example, uh, several examples probably, that we could bring up with our friend Joel. Um, And then we'll have some, uh, keep in mind that we do have constitutional grounds to legally fight back. You have constitutionally enshrined rights of specific rights to fight back. So Um, in fact, I'm just going to briefly say those so that, um, Joel can have the floor and tell us about some of these great examples. Um, first of all, keep in mind all political power is inherent in the people. And I have, again, the slideshow will be shared with you on Thursday. Um, So we'll have the citations, um, especially for those of you who are listening and not watching. Um, I'm not going to go over all of the uh, Florida and Michigan or U.S. constitutional provisions that I'm essentially quoting here. uh, But you'll see those on Thursday. Uh, All political power is inherent in the people. Basic. We have basic rights to enjoy and defend life and property and possess and protect property. We have the rights to peaceably assemble, instruct our representatives, petition our government for redress of grievances. Uh, Courts shall be opened for every person for redress of any injury and shall be administered, uh, and justice shall be administered without sale, denial, or delay. And the last few, access uh, to public records and meetings is something enshrined Uh, at least in some way, shape, or form, in virtually every state constitution. Um, There's the elective recall, or the, the recall of elective officers that citizens can start and do. Of course, you have the right to free speech and to the press. And remembering, above all else, that the U.S. Constitution guarantees us that Republican form of government, where we the people retain ultimate control and authority so um i'm just gonna leave one of these screens up and uh maybe i was gonna make us a little bit bigger but uh, i'm not smart enough to do that in fact let me let me see if i can hide that screen and and make you bigger maybe maybe i can there we go all right so take it away tell us some of those real life examples uh, that you've been dealing with maybe start with the one i called you about yesterday and then throw some others in there
2: yeah, well, we where where you have to you have to start you have to take stock of yourself first. Um, you have to figure out, okay, um, what is a hill to die on, and you, you can't say that figuratively. You have to mean that literally. Uh, I don't mean that in the sense that you have you go to city hall and you plan on getting shot up or anything like that. But I mean, you, you have to figure out what in life is really worth taking a stand. And then once you have that figured out. Um, You know, at the beginning of the pandemic, one thing that uh, I started doing, I read through the entire Michigan Public Health Code, and it was really daunting at first. But once I got started, um, there were some things that just make you go, what? Uh, For example, there is a provision that if for some reason the sheriff and the undersheriff are taken out of commission at the same time. Uh, Let's say whether it's a shootout or a corruption scandal or anything that the there's there's a doctrine that could be put together that the health officer would take over the powers, authority and duties of the local sheriff until the next election. And it's things like that. Once you realize how harebrained this legislation that we're living under actually is what what kind of authority. Um, That's one of the interesting things is very early on um, when in reading the health code we realized that there was no authority that the governor had it was all in the local health departments but you see the governor's executive actions when those didn't work in part thanks to Catherine Henry taking uh, that weapon out of her uh, um, menagerie. Uh, Then they went to the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services, and then they realized, oh, I guess it really is with the local health departments. And in some ways, I'm kind of grateful that uh, um, our legislature is as stupid as it is because they were getting ready. And and there's even videos of Mike Shirky, who is the Senate Majority Leader at the time, stating, I don't know why. Governor Whitmer won't sign our legislation. It is word for word almost exactly what her executive orders are. Well, if Governor Whitmer was smart enough to sign
0: that, because it wasn't almost, I'm going to pause you just there because it wasn't almost word for word. They literally didn't even rewrite the terms or text of what her executive orders were. Senate Bill 858 on April 30th, the Republican led. Uh, house and Senate voted to codify uh, over half of her executive orders as they were currently written and they didn't even reprint the text they just said executive order two executive order 17 executive order you know 15 they're all yeah. adopted and made into state law and she didn't sign it and she called them out and she said it was unconstitutional the way they did that which it actually was so I'm glad she did that too
2: yeah. But but it's incredible, uh, you know, if she would have signed that, how how much worse of a predicament we'd be in now.
0: Uh-oh. Oh, what's going on here? Give me a second, guys. I'm not sure what's going on. It looks like he's still there.
1: Um. He might have dropped
0: all this stuff
1: in check out
2: because they they don't even understand how it works. They're completely wasting their time. It's completely impotent. It's it's not effective. And if if you could get all of that energy and put it behind something that is effective, then you could potentially make a big difference. And I think there's an argument to be said that thanks to uh, um, uh, Catherine Henry going over and scrutinizing some of my work that I did, we put together a petition that made its way all the way to uh, Attorney General Dana Nessel's desk. And we even have some information that she worked illegally through backwards, through the, I can't remember what it's called, the Michigan Association of Prosecutors and so forth, uh, to to make sure that there was a, a a bolo put out to every single prosecutor in the state of michigan for our petition that we sent out and it said do not pay attention to it the language in it is faulty um long story short the week after that next thing you know kids no longer have to wear masks in school anymore because the governor very very out of uh um out of the the glory uh agreed to sign a republican budget with virtually no negotiations, no line item vetoes, even when it stated in the budget itself that health departments would lose funding if they forced kids under the age of 18 to wear a mask in scholastic, uh, functions. And, and so, you know, granted, I'm not going to get any press over that and I'm okay with that. That that's, it was effective. That was the big thing. Um, so you, you know that, that's that's just one of my biggest issues right now is with the people that surround me in the political atmosphere uh, here in, in in my county locally they're just there's so much misguided energy that it's, it's all just being put to waste and it, it's it's really quite a shame. So my goal has been to educate people
1: in an effort so that they understand what their rights are when they show up uh um my wife does not look finely on this day
2: <laughs> but uh oh, wait,
0: wait 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 we're not going to i know what you're going to talk about and we're okay. not going to scare people away from from talking so let me let me have you talk about though um the case that is currently pending And, you know, you started to kind of talk about that, that basically I forget how you said it, but basically it's, you know, you got to pick your battles, right? You're not going to just take on everything all the time because you're one person typically against a whole municipality, even if it's small. But there's someone that you know very well. And uh, just briefly, um, I'm assuming he's okay with at least his first name being shared, Um, share his name and share again, Is he an attorney? What's his background? What does he do? And then what was the issue that started everything?
2: Yeah, a friend of mine, his name's Chuck Herzler. And the thing that I love about Chuck is we put on our protest in December of 2020. And this was before protests were cool, mind you. Um, And I told him, I called him up one day and I said, hey, uh, the county told us that we're not allowed to have a protest. So how does next Thursday sound? And he goes, great. (laughs) So this is the kind of guy he is. He's a, he's a Pepsi mechanic. He works on uh, pop machines for a living. He's retired now, but anyway, uh, um, one of the issues that we're having with the city of Hastings, there's a number of issues with the code enforcement officer just being very overbearing in general. Um, and so there's any number of battles that we could have picked, but um, he had, I think five political signs in his yard, uh, city ordinance 90 nine, seven, one for city of Hastings states that you may only have up to four wire-framed signs in your yard at any given time. Wire-framed signs are the only types of permissible signs. Um, What's interesting, though, is they came after him for his five signs because he was one sign in excess and violation of the ordinance. So what does he do? He calls me up and goes, hey, what's going on here. So I do some looking into it and I was like, well, Hey, I found this appellate case, fourth circuit court of appeals. I believe it was that's that it was ruled unconstitutional. They cannot limit the number of signs. So he goes, great. So I can put nine signs in my yard, right? Well, next thing, you know, he has 18. (laughs) But I I did caution him. I said, you know, the the, the first amendment, we've got to be careful with it. Um, and in, in the sense that I, I, Yes, I understand that we should be able to do whatever we please when it comes to freedom of expression, but I I do think that it needs to be practiced with responsibility. So none of the signs were repetitive. Um, And what's interesting is in that case, it's Arlington County Republican Party versus Arlington County. Arlington County had an ordinance in which only two signs could be permitted, uh, or only up, up to two signs were permitted to be in anyone's property. And there were a number of interesting dynamics that that particular case brought in. For example, what if you have a husband and wife who have different uh, views politically? Um, At that point in time, uh, who gets to put the signs out? The husband, the wife. Um, And so there were any given number of, uh, I don't know, there were probably three or four major arguments in that case. And a long story short, all the way up to the... um, uh fourth circuit it wound up being, that decision was upheld and so anyway in spite Let,
0: of let's pause for that in just a second because regardless of what any stupid judge or justice says anywhere even all the way up to the u.s supreme court and i say this with the utmost respect if they're not following the constitution i really don't care what their decisions or their precedent or their opinions say because we have rights That regardless of what the government does, we still have those rights. God gave them to us, and we did not give those up in how we delegated power and authority in the Constitution. So you have your right to free speech, you have the right to use your own property, and those are things that still remain regardless of when we go through periods of, of a bad court decision here and there on any given topic. So just to keep that in mind for those of you, I know Joel knows that, but I wanted to make sure that those of you who... Um, You know, might not um, might still be looking at court cases and precedent with so much reverence that uh, you want to rely on it. Just keep that in mind. Judges and justices are people, too, and they are not given the ultimate control and authority in our country. It's a republic, so we still have the ultimate control and authority, and we still have those God-given liberties. But anyway, so yes, what Joel is saying, though, is, is correct that, you know, there there is case precedent out there that says uh, specifically, hey, governments, local governments especially, you can't do this particular action. You can't limit the people and their free speech and expression in this way. So um, where where though, so he, you know, the, the the city of Hastings, right? It's the city of Hastings that he's battling this with. So they were um, telling him, Hey, you can't do this. And he's like, "Uh, Hey, Joel, I can. Right. And you're like, yes, yes, you can. And he says, okay, then watch me. I will do this. And so he amps up his political presence in his yard and, uh, and they decided to pursue it at that point. So, um, and it was, it was it just, the, was it what one ticket or one um, court case that was filed? I don't remember. Yeah. the specifics yeah. on that.
2: Yeah. Essentially it's city of Hastings versus Charles Hertzler and they are suing him for $50 because the city believes they have been so damaged that it is worth $50 for them to pay an attorney. I'm guessing somewhere in the neighborhood of five to $10,000 to represent them in the case against a retired, on fixed income, uh, he, all his only income is social security, uh, um, uh, individual who is just trying to propagate what he believes in his yard. And it's interesting because another statement that's made in that sign or in that case and in several other cases in my research of it, um, that signs are virtually pure speech. So, if you look at the First Amendment, free speech, uh, you know, shall not be abridged. You look at uh, was it Article One, Section Two of the Michigan Constitution, um, which I think further uh, enshrines that right, for, further codifies it. And, um, what part of abridged? You know, the, the word abridge means to shorten. What what part of shall not be? Do you not understand? Uh, so um, anyway, uh, it's. The thing that I like about uh, people like Chuck, um, you know, is, one, he he knows to pick his battles. I wish we could fight every single battle, um, you know, but unfortunately we can't. But he picked one thing, and he stuck his guns to it. So um, it it takes that type of uh, um, conviction. uh, You've got to be firm in it. and fortunately for him, I hope that uh, I'm giving him the support that he's going to need to ultimately uh, win this in the future. We actually have a lawyer retained now, uh, Darren Wisely. Some people are listening may have heard the name. I believe he's part of the Hillsdale Republican Party. But he's going to come over here and represent the case in uh, January. It was supposed to be in December, but something happened with the attorney's cat or something, some pet emergency. So, they With, with
0: the prosecuting attorney's cat? Uh,
2: not actually a civil case, it's a civil infraction. So basically it's a lawsuit where it's, it's the city and their attorney versus Chuck and his attorney.
0: So they don't use the prosecuting attorney in those situations. No,
2: nope. Prosecuting attorney can sit there and watch just like anyone else can, but that uh, our prosecuting attorney has absolutely no part, no role in this. Okay. It is not criminal. It is a civil. <laughs> so that, that, that's one thing that a lot of people don't understand is, You know, you have criminal prosecutions and civil prosecutions. Civil is exactly that; it's civil. The city believes that it has been so damaged that it is entitled to fifty dollars for the extra sign in his yard. Um, You know, which is really something. If you put it into that perspective, it's it's not about safety. It's not about uh, um, well-being. It's about fifty dollars. And, and that term civil just brings that all into. Um,
0: well, uh, and, you know, as far as the distinction between criminal and civil and it being a civil infraction in, in Michigan, the distinction there being, well, with a civil infraction, in theory, there's absolutely no jail time, though, if depending on how corrupt the court system is, you're dealing with, you might end up with, um, you know, being held in contempt which might throw you in some, you know, throw you in jail. Um, I know a few, uh, perhaps those who are still watching who have experienced that. But um, so even if it's a civil case, uh, there is that element. But it's really no different, though, because in a civil case, it really should be between two private parties and private interests involved, but what we're dealing with here is a government entity trying to take away the rights of an individual person. So whether we're calling it a criminal case or a civil case, what it really means is that by calling it a civil infraction, it's not even a full civil case as a civil infraction in Michigan. It's like this this third you know little carve-out of things where it doesn't have the full protections or procedures of a civil case, but it also doesn't have most of the protections guaranteed for criminal matters. Uh, and so it's basically their way to say, well, we're gonna get you, and you know, you're know, you not guaranteed counsel, you're not guaranteed all these things. Why? Because, well, because we won't throw you in jail over this. We're just gonna, you know, <coughs> fine you till you're, you know, not able to put food on the table and things like that. Uh, in this situation, it's a very small fine uh comparatively but there have been definitely situations in michigan and in every state across the country where you have a situation like this and then they add fine after fine after fine after fine it was uh, uh, uh there was a case in in florida here where this couple painted the fence of their, uh, property in, um, I forgot, uh, the Liberty cause is going to pipe on, up in the say it. I'm sure, but there was, um, a famous, um, I think it was a Vincent van Gogh starry night or something like that, where, uh, it was, they painted it on their hired somebody to paint it, uh, a replica on their fence and um and so it was an expression type of case and those fines i want to say were already in the thousands of dollars by the time that it made it to court because they were finding them like something like $100 every day that they left it up so you know sometimes it's something small like $150 charge sometimes you know they're just going to keep tacking it on until you give up and then and then what in, in in a lot of municipalities, if you have something like that and then you have no way to fight it and they end up taking you to court or doing whatever, they will try to add it on to your taxes. And then if you can't pay all your tax bill anymore because taxes aren't high enough, uh, then guess what that means? Then they're going to use the procedures to try to auction off your property and you could lose your house. So, I mean, this really isn't um just you know about cases where people are trying to take a stand to fight against something that they could otherwise afford to pay i mean this is something where i mean average people can't afford to you know have to pay all these things in the first place and shouldn't have to and shouldn't have to so at any rate cat or no cat we're looking at january for uh the results of this case is that right is it a is it the um Essentially, the um, evidentiary hearing is what they've set it for, or what is it set no, for in January? This, this
2: this will actually go to go before the judge, I believe, January 9th, and that will be the end of it, provided there are no more uh, um, setbacks. But uh, yeah, but you know, like you said, it goes down to they know that you're not going to be able to afford this, and and you know, Chuck, uh, he, there there's no way he'd be paid for this. You know, we've able to come up with you know. Help from around, and, and that's that's what the focus is of the group that I started. It's protecting people's rights, um, but a lot of this is also really going to boil down to education. You know, you look at the complete mess and disaster that the last election in Michigan, how that went. Um, uh, you're going to have to re-educate society in order to get uh, judges in place that respect the law as it's written um uh, maybe i'm missing something just as a stupid truck driver but th- th- this it's so it's spelled out so plainly and so clearly that it seems like if i can understand that uh i mean like for example the, the city attorney uh in their response to the brief that we filed on behalf of chuck they quoted the dissenting opinion from the fourth circuit court of appeals as the authority behind their entire argument. And I guarantee you that if we hadn't gone down the road of getting an actual attorney to represent that, that the judge that we have here in the County would have accepted that as the authority and, um, you know, continued to, to, uh, you know, down a process of deprivation of rights. That that's, unfortunately the sad situation where we're in right now
0: yeah and and this is something that uh well quite frankly uh, i want to keep sharing with you guys out there about what's happening in this case because again this is a small small city in michigan it's not one of the big you know detroit grand rapids lansing and arbor any of those kinds uh it's in berry county michigan uh, and the city of Hastings and this is about just the average person who had a few signs out in his yard to support the causes that he believed in or the candidates that he believed in and for the city it was all about control they wanted to exert control and and even if they were proven wrong it didn't matter they were going to keep going full steam ahead on this so um Joel, I need to kind of wrap up some of these uh, concepts for people and uh, um, let you know, make it not too long of an episode that people won't go back and watch anymore later. But, um, you know, again, you guys have a constitutional ground to legally fight back. And you don't need to be an attorney. So, uh, when I talked about having those cease and desist letters, uh, notices of proposed litigation, um, you know, my, maybe just skipping straight forward and uh, urgently filing a lawsuit, um, you know, speaking at city council meetings, joining with others and having your voice heard, uh, utilizing social media and the mainstream media if they'll get involved, uh, local town papers um you know even if it's a town paper and and i've had this experience a local town paper that didn't quite want to cover the slant of the truth they were still covering the story enough that you know enough for the faces of people speaking at city council meetings were um you know those pictures were still on the front page of the paper enough that the issues were still being highlighted that that people knew um, that their, their fellow residents were still standing up and speaking out and trying to make a difference. And again, that's all before the 2020 stuff anyway, but, um, cease and desist letters, uh, keep in mind guys, I, am not a Florida attorney. Uh, I grew up down here, but I, you know, lived for 12 years down here as a child. Uh, but we just moved down here last year, and I'm not studying to take another bar exam anytime soon. I've already passed all the ones that I've taken with flying colors. But I have more than enough to keep me busy. Um, but uh, I just did some searching on the legislature's website. I did some searching, literally some Google searching on cease and desist letters here in Florida when I just had to create my, my cease and desist letter to the city of Ormond Beach here for violating my rights with their supposed uh, codes here. Um, notice of proposed litigation. Again, I'm not a Florida licensed attorney. I'm not someone who had, you know, this This isn't the bread and butter of my law practice and what I'm used to. No, I just did what Joel has done as, um, you know, as as a resident in an area, I just looked up the statutes that apply. And, um, and I was able to get Um, An idea of what my rights are literally just comb through the chapters of statutes down here Um, In the city of Belding when I was going through situations I actually served uh, in a volunteer position on a few different boards I was on the downtown development authority or DDA. I was on the Planning Commission My husband uh, at various times was on the the Zoning Board of Appeals uh, in the city of Belding and uh, at any rate so Um, I had a situation where I was just speaking up at city council meetings because they were doing things illegally and I just tried to educate them. I used my three minutes at that public podium, uh, public comment time to tell them, hey, here's the problem. Here's what the law says. Here's how you can fix it. Every single meeting I was going because every single week it was something new. And quite frankly, in that community, it mostly wasn't the city council. It was the city manager. But they were letting her run rampant and do whatever she wanted and violating the law and violating the Constitution and certainly violating people's rights. And I didn't even know most of the people that whose rights were being violated. But I didn't like seeing it in black and white in front of me and basically full admissions from the city manager about what she was doing. I mean, things you wouldn't believe. Filing a public records requ- request, a Kim, uh, a woman named Kim Orlick, uh, Joel, I don't know if I ever told you this, so let me know your thoughts on this, but there's a woman named Kim Orlick uh, in Belding, Michigan. I don't know if she's still there, but she lived there when I lived there, and she was known for years for filing FOIA uh, Freedom of Information Act requests and trying to uncover things, and um, a lot about, you know, the... Um, you know revenues of different fees and things with the um, the local police department and just all kinds of, i don't remember a lot of the specifics but she foyed uh some of this information that public records and um sometimes it would amount to wow she'd uncover something that was really bad that was going on that they shouldn't be doing and sometimes it was like well that was a rabbit hole you went down for no particular purpose but she still had the right to request the information So when we had this new city manager come on board, Meg Mullendor, wonderful gal. Anyway, she decided, well, her daddy is an attorney in the nearby city of Greenville, Michigan. She decided that she didn't like all this information being requested and then shared with people across the community in these Freedom of Information Act requests, these record requests. So she found out that this woman, Kim, had been involved in a civil case many, many years ago and that there was a a almost 10-year-old judgment against her in a civil case for owing uh, $1,100 to, I think it was a credit card company or something. And uh, now keep in mind, we don't have debtor's prison here, right? There was an almost 10-year-old case where she owed money and hadn't paid. And at some point, somehow in there, there was uh, a warrant for her for um, not answering uh, a, a question for the, the creditor to be able to collect from her, okay? And this is totally like a debtor's prison type of scenario. So it was just shy of 10 years. The reason why I'm hammering on that is at 10 years, a civil judgment against you in Michigan disappears unless it is specifically renewed by the court. So you have this judgment that was not being renewed. You had this police department way up at the bridge. Now, if you're from Michigan, we were living down here and they they were talking about way up here, okay, at the bridge. They brought this woman all the way up there because this um this you know bench warrant was out for her related to this $1,100 debt that she owed on an old credit card for a case that was 10 years old. And get this, the city manager and the chief of police who worked for her, uh, they called the the chief of police up there and said, hey, you know, we got this person. We picked her up. We saw you have this warrant out for her. So come and get her. And the police department up there said, no way. We're not coming to get her. They're not even going to renew this judgment. There's the whole case is being dismissed in a, in a week or two. So no. So what did the city manager do? She said to the chief of police in Belding back then, and um, I believe it's 2014. She said, well, let's go pick her up anyway and drive her the, whatever it is, seven hours all the way up there ourselves. So she gets in the cop car and she rides along with the chief of police. And she makes sure and watches that they go and pull this woman out of her house in the middle of the night. She doesn't get to take her medications. She's not told what she's being arrested for. She doesn't get to take any necessities or money or anything, any resources with her. And they literally drive her all the way up to the bridge in Michigan, the Mackinac Bridge. And then when they get there and the local police department says, uh-uh-uh, we're not taking her. The jail won't book her. They, they say, no, we are not taking custody of this woman. What do they do? The Belding police drop her off there and don't even bring her back home, leaving her stranded in winter in Michigan with no money, none of her medications, and no way to get back home. Kidnapping. (laughs) Doesn't that sound insane? This is just because a woman was making records requests, and they didn't want stuff uncovered. This is in a small town of five thousand people.
2: Yeah, it's it's something that you know. Unfortunately, you're going to have. And if I can say this, and then I can uh, I can let you get going. But uh, um, one of the things, one of the people that I really uh, enjoy researching is. uh, what's his name? Uh, I spoke about him at the uh, forum that you were at, Hank, uh, Catherine. Um, he's a civil rights uh, individual, and he he was he was in the civil rights game seven years before Martin Luther. Martin Luther, in a lot of ways, Martin Luther King Jr. took a lot of uh, um, a lot of credit for what this individual had actually done. And I can't, I can't remember his name, but uh, he was someone who was willing to put the Constitution to the test. Um, how many people today are willing to sacrifice themselves in order to protect the next generation from evil? You know, we hear over and over again about how, oh, if there's going to be any harm, let it be in my day so that my kids don't have to uh, endure it. It's already out there we're setting by and just like the quote you were mentioning earlier is from edmund burke it's the only thing that needs to ha- or evil triumphs when good men do nothing that's that's the paraphrase of it edmund burke was kind of a visionary in a lot of ways but he was an english parliamentarian and what's interesting is he had a very interesting relationship with thomas Paine. and before the revolution even happened edmund burke was telling the um uh parliament in england you guys can't keep doing this you can't keep doing this they're, they're going to get to a point they're going to revolt against us and we're going to lose america over and over and over he said that it sounded like a broken record um and you know that that's where he he's known as the father of conservatism um and that that's that's where that mentality that's where that thought process began he was an individual who a lot of ways i i emulate because He believed that you don't go out there and you you, you don't become this uh, um, obstinate, you know, individual. Uh, You don't just go out there and raise Cain just for the sake of raising Cain. You you need to, uh, um, there's proper channels in which you do things. But he kept telling the English parliament over and over again, if you guys don't back off, these people are going to revolt. And guess what? They revolted. And here we are today. Um, so anyway, Shuttlesworth, Reverend Shuttlesworth is the gentleman's name.
0: Oh, the Shuttlesworth case. Yes.
2: Yes. And and one of the things that I I believe that this is a trick, I'm attributing this to him. I'm pretty sure he said this, but, um, when something negative happens, that seems to be all encompassing. It's that it's at that point when the strong, no matter how few they will be, will shine. And, and, you know, that's when when everything around us gets darker and darker and darker you don't have to be that bright to stick out and that's one of the things i like using that i'm okay with being self-deprecating against my that's fine because the one thing that we have to offer people as long as we've done our research that no one else has that's the truth and so um we have to we have to get that out there effectively. We have to educate our neighbors, our friends, our family. We, and, and then eventually if, if push does come to shove, we get to a point where like in America, we do say, all right, enough is enough. And that's, we had that in Berry County. When we had, uh, my guess is somewhere around 500 people show up to a uh, Board of Health meeting. Um, we had that just prior to that, there were 300 people that showed up to a Board of Commissioners meeting. When it came down to the health officer, you know, you talking about due process. These kids were guilty of not having COVID. That's why they weren't allowed to play sports. Well, you came into contact with so and so that doesn't have COVID, but he was in contact with so and so. Where's the due process in that? These kids never had COVID in the first place, but yet they were uh, they weren't able to be part of their championship games. They weren't able to play with their right, you know, with their friends in sports and whatnot. And, and we even had some cases that, that in the circuit courts in Michigan, where that was ruled a deprivation of rights. There was no due process. So, um, and I'm a Christian. I have no problem. I uh, say that unashamedly. Uh, I guess the way I'm going to leave it with you um, is Psalm 82, uh, verse 3. And, you know, we're... Who are we out there to defend? You see, so many people who seem to be apologists for President Trump, for apologists for President Biden, you know, whatever side of the political spectrum, apologists for Rand Paul, where they have to, you know, take all the. They have staff that can handle themselves. But biblically, what are we supposed to do? Defend the poor and the fatherless, do justice to the afflicted and the needy. Those are the people that we need to stick up for. And if we spent more time, sticking up for the people that needed it, like my friend, Chuck Hertzler, he's on a fixed income and he's retired. Um, if we stuck up for that, if we stuck up for the people that that really needed it and, and we quit putting all of this effort into debating national politics, which is going to accomplish absolutely zero impact on anything, it'd be amazing how powerful that we are.
0: So, It is. It would be amazing. In fact, it's kind of sad in some respects of the things that I think about that I could have been doing personally uh, if I just had a little bit more resources. So for example, you asked about 10 minutes ago, you know, how many people are really out there that are willing to sacrifice uh, for the community, for the future generations, for their kids to have freedom. And I was over here going, you know, yeah, I, I am. Uh, Obviously, what happened to me in Allegan County on Election Day 2020, getting the crap beat out of me by three grown men deputies who uh, forgot that they actually took an oath to defend the U.S. Constitution and the state constitution, telling me that it wasn't their job to have to think about what the law says when I was literally there as an attorney there to fight for somebody else's rights uh, there as an attorney to talk with them. And all I did was they kept telling me I had to leave publicly accessible public property during open hours, uh, that they, they literally just kept saying to me, it's not, it's, you know, it's not my job to have to know about the law to talk about the law. I said, just give me five minutes to explain to you why you can't make, uh, this person leave here. I'll share with you the law, I'll share with you the Constitution, you know, we'll talk about it, and they just said, well, no, now you need to leave, or, or we're going to start with arresting you, uh, we're going to take your kid to CPS, we're going to take your car and tow it, uh, we're, you know, we're going to arrest you, we're going to deny your freedoms, and uh, guess what, I mean, I eventually won, it took almost two years, it wasn't until this summer that my case was finally dismissed. I had to file multiple levels of of appeals and briefs and things, and it cost me. Um, I don't remember the exact amount, but over fifty five hundred dollars out of pocket. That's not paying to attorneys. That's court costs and filing fees and everything else. And and we're on a bit of a fixed income, so to speak. You know, my husband is a machinist. Uh, he doesn't. You know, he's not some hundred thousand dollar a year job kind of guy. He is a typical American hardworking guy, just like you, Joel, um, just like Chuck uh, before becoming retired and, and, and going to that stage of life. But we, you know, we've raised four kids. We're still raising kids. And uh, we just simply don't have the funds to do that. But it was my own freedom at stake. And it was a case that will have impact on others. How can I expect others to stand up and fight for freedom if, if I'm not willing to do it myself? Uh, but hey, it's Giving Tuesday, so give to people that are in Chuck's shoes uh, who don't have help covering costs for attorney's fees. Consider donating on my page, restorefreedomkh.com. Uh, you can scroll uh, to different parts. You can help donate to us personally so we can you know, keep eating and going to the doctor when we need to and things like that, having gas to, to go and pick up groceries. Uh, that you, while we're doing this fight for freedom, you can donate specifically to keeping this weekly show going to keeping our weekly newsletter going, uh, our constitution segment recaps. Uh, but there's a spot on there to donate specifically to hold those Allegan County officials responsible. I have people writing me letters and sending me emails and things like that, telling me you need to start filing that lawsuit against all of those Allegan County officials, the prosecuting attorneys, there were five involved. The three uh, sheriff's deputies, the sheriff himself who was involved that very day. Yes, I spoke with him on the phone. In fact, Dar of your county spoke with him on the phone before they even beat the crap out of me and arrested me that day. Um, you know, there's the judges that were involved, um, at least two in the district court and at least one in the circuit court there in Allegan County, which is near Berry County. Um, and here's the thing, you know, there's uh, there's people demanding to me like, hey, you have to fight this, take this case, um, bring them, you know, take them to the cleaners, basically, you know, set that precedent um, in many senses of the word. But, you know, lead by example so that other officials will then know they can't do this to people. Here's the thing, guys. I'm already $5,500 or more in the hole, and I've only had like $2,700 in donations for that specific thing in the last two, two and a half years or whatever it's been, two years. So if people want me to continue fighting that fight, help me at least cover the expenses I've already been out of pocket in the case before expecting me to incur additional court costs and filing fees and everything else. You know, transcripts are a lot of money. Getting records and documents, and you know, filing motions—it it does. It costs money. Uh, so if you want me to continue to be able to fight the fight in that sense, then please help and uh, and do some funding with that. But anyway, um, whether it's me, it's Giving Tuesday, guys. So whether you're helping five, ten, a hundred, a $1, thousand dollars, whatever it is, to somebody like me, or somebody like Chuck, who is just again an average american just doing his thing on his own property quietly speaking his own mind when the city comes along and thinks that they get to control his every move you know find somebody that you can support and you can you know ra- you know rally the forces around them because we have to do this together i mean joel's here talking about this today because not so much direct impact to him or his you know, immediate family, he's been doing this work because he's been seeing person after person in his community, not just even his close circle of friends, but people in his community, business owners and restaurant owners, and you name it, that have been impacted. And Joel said, enough, let's do something. Let's join forces with those other residents in our community or statewide or whatever, and let's get something done. So at any rate. Um, Joel, it's been a pleasure having you on. I will let you go so I can round out our program today. Uh, I look forward to hearing from you soon about how the case is going. And don't forget, please don't forget, if you ever want me to come back and speak on issues, I would be glad to do that. Um, I, uh, I, you know, I do still have friends and family in Michigan and uh, I will continue the freedom fight there. So maybe I'll do a freedom fighting tour. And we'll stop be, cities. we may
2: pay you to come up here and speak, but it'll be in front of the fifth circuit court. So,
0: well, there might be that too. So, uh, you know, anyway, um, even if it's uh, paying some gas money and uh, a Mattel six or whatever it is along the way uh, that, hey, I'm, I'm cheap in that sense to get me up there to speak and teach people about the constitution. So just keep that in mind. Okay. Yes. Thank you. All right. Thanks for being on. It's been great having you.
2: Yes.
0: All right, guys. So um, let's see. I'm going to throw Lori in here with me, too. And I'm going to switch. Uh, I was showing you guys, again, some of those um, pictures and images of uh, average people filling the rooms in their local township Board meetings or city council meetings, uh, trying to you know let their government know this is not okay. Whatever you're doing right in this moment, what we're here to talk about, this is not okay. Um, so again, you can do all these things: um, cease and desist letters, notice, you know, give them a notice that you are going to, you're considering, you're proposing, filing litigation against them. Um, You know, file a lawsuit if you need to. If you need examples of what these look like, we didn't end up having time to talk about uh, much of what the city of Belding, what um, I went through with them, uh, or what I was doing from the inside out with Georgetown Township. Um, Or, you know, my current fight with the city of Ormond Beach, maybe we'll have continuing discussions on some of those next week. Who knows? We'll see. But keep in mind, though, that our freedom fighting tools will be available to you on Friday, which will, of course, include some real life, tangible examples of documents that you can use uh, if you're in Florida, if you're in Michigan. Heck, if you're anywhere else in the country, it's at least a starting point so that you know, Okay, so what what does a notice of proposed litigation look like? Or what does a response to the city look like when they're saying they're going to come after you and bring you to court over supposed code violations? What are some of the arguments that you can come up with? What are some of the things that you can use? What are some of the tools that you can use to defend your own rights? That's the very stuff, the actual where the rubber hits the road. That's the exact stuff that I want to provide to you and give you those real examples of. So, um, Lori, I am hearing some sort of weird, like if there's paper on your mic or something. There's some sort of weird. Oh,
1: I'm I'm holding the notes um, because you asked me to take notes of questions. Okay. I wonder if you wanted to kind of touch on them maybe this time. And-
0: Give me just a second here. So I'm going to um, quick roll the rest of these through otherwise I'll forget. Sure. Um, so, again, uh, hammer on these these rights. Uh, but these are just, again, we have unenumerated rights. We have many more than what are just written down in the U.S. or state constitutions. But if you're looking for a specific authority to remind governments, hey, you can't do anything to me because of this then at least there's something to point to that's going to be in the presentation or the PowerPoint that we'll share with you again uh, with the Constitution Segment Recap on Thursday this week. But um, all of those rights that we talked about earlier, again, these are just some examples. There are many more, but these are just some examples of the U.S., Michigan, and Florida constitutions that we have in there for you. Uh, Which brings us back to our question of the week on our true or false question. There are several options that exist to fight back when local governments trample your rights, true or false. Uh, And there's still time to go and participate and answer this simple true or false question on Twitter, Telegram, LinkedIn, Truth Social, YouTube, or our website, restorefreedomkh.com. You can go to the Updates tab or just type in restorefreedomkh.com updates. Again, the answer here should be obvious by now. If you've been listening to any or even part of our show today, the answer is true. Although many are afraid to stand up to local governments, there are several effective ways that you, yes, you can fight back when your rights are trampled cease and desist letters, notices of proposed litigation, speaking at city council or city commission meetings, etc. many more. Um, again, we just simply ran out of time to try to give you more information on that. Um, and uh, one last thing that I will share with you before we go and answer the specific questions that were posed throughout the show that we didn't get to yet. If you do want more information on any of these topics, I mean, of course, it sounds like we might have to make a um, uh, next week's episode tie into these and expand a little bit more and give you a little bit more of those concrete examples. Uh, so you know that whatever you're going through and challenges with your municipal government, uh, we've been there. We know people that have been there. We know how to fight back and it's not something where uh, it's you know a multi-million dollar law firm or corporation that's that's you know leading the charge. It's average everyday Americans that are just standing up and saying enough. Follow the damn Constitution. Follow the law. Do your job as a government official. That's what it's about. So, again, for more information, Wednesday's Way to Get Involved Challenge uh, will be shared with you tomorrow, on Wednesday. Our Thursday Constitution Segment Recap, which is that 10-minute video. Hopefully there's some weeks where I just can't cram it all into the 10 minutes, even if I'm talking like the Micro Machines guy from when I was a child. But uh, that 10 minute recap video will be shared on all the social media platforms um, and then our freedom fighting tools on Friday, of course, Saturday are going to have a great video from Rachel in some way to either purchase the restore freedom gear that we have, like our decals or our car magnets. Um, or, uh, she might be highlighting this week, uh, a way that you can support us financially because of course this being giving Tuesday and there were small business Saturday this last week, uh, we'll probably have one of those videos for you, um, along those lines on Saturday. And we'll round out the week as we always do with our biblical insight on Sunday before jumping into the next topic or perhaps a continuing version of this topic next week on uh, Monday for our preview, and of course Tuesday again, live at noon, Eastern Standard time for the next full episode of Restore Freedom Weekly episode forty nine. <laughs> uh, so uh, we had some questions, uh, one on uh, Facebook from Beth, how do we donate? Uh, we actually, you, if you're specifically wanting to donate, Um, Lori uh, responded here with the restorefreedomkh.com support. You can go there. You can go straight to donate though. If um, you go to restorefreedomkh.com donate, it'll take you right to just the donation page. Otherwise you click this one that she has that we have up here on the screen. And um, it's just one more click. You see donate is I think the second option there. Um, Or you can just go to our website and you'll see support. And there's a little top, you know, Uh, the top options, and there's a little carrot, you select down and there's donate. You can just type in donate into the search bar of our website as well, but restorefreedomkh.com, that's the place that you can find all kinds of information. Um, Trust me, I will put even more out there, and it is my goal to get as much as I possibly can Uh, from all our prior versions of our websites when we had a lot more people helping in the background on those things. But hopefully I'll have even more of that available and searchable, search friendly for you uh, by the end of 2022. But in the meantime, there's still ways that you can continue to donate. And the more you donate now, the more that I might be able to pay to automate some of the processes that we're doing so I can free up my time to get the rest of the documents and information and resources on the website for you. Or shoot, I can even get back into writing some legal briefs and fighting the fight in the courtroom or in whatever other way God leads me to. So please keep that in mind. Literally every dollar helps. Um, so, Lori, uh, you have some questions. Let me. Oh, yeah, but gonna-
1: before we move on, um, our window decals and those magnets sure make great stocking stuffers.
0: <laughs> they sure do they sure do um okay
1: uh, so i lost some of the things but um in the beginning Janet had asked what you do when a uh, city says your foia is going to cost a thousand dollars
0: okay so Uh, What to do if a city wants to hide stuff and says your records request to basically uncover that information will be over a thousand dollars. It really, the specifics there will depend, Um, for example, one thing that you could do, we talked about um, maybe you're going to join with other people, um, depending on how complicated it is, Um, first of all, streamline your, your, your request as much as possible so that you're, you're getting exactly what you need and maybe having that net cast just a little bit more than what you know you need, just to make sure you're catching all uh, of the aspects you're looking for, but try not to make sure that net is cast too wide, that it's going to be ineffective anyway with the documents you're going to obtain. Um, because if it's a thousand dollars of a records request, in theory, that means you're going to get many, many, many pages of documents. Um, to have to comb through so um if you um you know you might want to also if if it's just a complicated situation or it's just there's multiple pieces and you need all of that team up with other people to have this person ask for this part and this person ask for that part and don't think it doesn't work because it does i've been there I've i've been involved in situations where it was a team effort to get information through records requests or FOIA requests and that was often a way that it was handled. Um, So um, at any rate, um, oh, let's see, what is something else I was going to say about that. Um, As far as if they're, you know, not making it a reasonable fee, um, depending on what state you live in, there might be uh, laws about when you make a records request and the city wants to deny it or they want to charge you know, an exorbitant dollar amount, you might be able to challenge that in court to say that, um, hey, uh, this is not a reasonable fee and I, I'm i entitled to get these records. It's, they're public records. Uh, look, I've even offered to do this, this, and this or whatever, and they're not telling me a way that would make it a more feasible um you know, dollar amount. So, for example, if they want to charge you all that money because they want to give it to you in paper, perhaps you could, in writing, uh, clarify that your your request can be satisfied by providing all the documents on a thumb drive or by sending an email or a zip file or something like that. Um, that would make it, um, you know, so that they don't have the costs of printing or photocopying, things like that. Um, So, again, it really depends on the situation involved to know what kinds of arguments you might have. If you need to bring it to court, if you need to bring it to some neighbors or friends to split up the request, if you just need to streamline your records request, or perhaps go to media, go to the social media. What is it that you're trying to ask? Get enough people. And in the city of Belding, that's only 5,000 people, and the paper that was covering it, the Greenville Daily News, trust me, the middle of freaking nowhere in Michigan montcalm and ionia counties in michigan it's something that we were able to it started with me reading a FOIA request someone was concerned about something the city manager the brand new city manager had said or done it led to him filing a records request a foia freedom of information act request and what he got back was shocking and he brought it to me as someone who he knew just through the Chamber of Commerce and in the business community, uh, knowing that I was an attorney, but mostly at the time handling a lot of day-to-day stuff. I handled divorces and custody and landlord tenant and bankruptcies. And actually at the time he brought it to me, I was on maternity leave because Emma had just been born. Um, So, you know, (laughs) At any rate, um, because I was nursing a lot and sitting in a rocking chair with my, with my little girl. Um, I was reading as I was nursing, I was reading through these FOIA requests and I was just dumbfounded at what I saw that this city manager had been doing in prior communities before she got to ours. And, um, and then it led to me then reading the city, um, Reading the city ma- uh, city council meeting packets and the agendas and the documents that go along with that that were on the website or it might have been at the time we had to um, tell the city clerk that we wanted to be on an email recipient list of getting those agendas ahead of time. But reading them and going, oh my gosh, look at what's happening! It was literally there for anybody to see. So you know, I could have picked any one of those issues. I mean, let's think of a case where they hauled that woman. Poor Kim, all the way up to the bridge, hours and hours away, dumped her off in the middle of the night to a law enforcement agency who said, duh, you already called us. We told you we're not going to take this woman into custody. It's over a civil case of a, of a old credit card bill for $1,100 that she still doesn't have the ability to pay. So what drugs are you on? And yet they did it and left her stranded with no medications, no money, and no way home. So, you know, it could be as simple as something like that, that you're basing your records request on, uh, and whatever it is, it could be as shocking as that it could be much less, you know, shocking or more benign. Regardless, if you have an issue that you feel impassioned about, share it on social media, keep it. Short, keep it sweet, um and ask people to join in your request or tell people, "Hey, they're not sharing this or this is what they're doing. This is, you know, h- help, help, call, call city council, email them, do whatever. You can make an impact, even in that sense to get the ball rolling and get them to give you that information. Um, all right, so hopefully that's enough of an answer. Um, I have to scroll way far up and down in the comment chain because they're all showing up in the same spot. but um, even those sexy dating messages that uh, Lori was able to delete on the public side, we unfortunately still have to see them on our side. So, um, and somebody asked earlier
1: Archangel, um, um,
0: no, the difference with a charter township versus a city, sorry. Um, a regular township versus a charter township in Michigan, uh, you can look at chapter 41 and chapter 42 of the state statutes in Michigan if you want to see what the, the uh, specifics are. But basically, it's nothing. If you have a your own charter, your own local constitution for your township in Michigan, then the laws of chapter 42 apply to you. If your township is a township, but not a city, but a township, but it hasn't adopted its own constitution or charter, then Chapter 41 actually acts as the charter uh, for your um, township. And so um, Chapter 40... one, uh, in many respects still applies to charter townships. It's just chapter 42 also applies to charter townships. So at any rate, there's really not any difference in terms of the things that we were talking about today. So lots of fun. I know things that I know off the top of my head that people are like, why, why do you know that? Um, okay. So I'm trying to find, so it was Archangel. Is that the one you were going to?
1: Yeah. And the ninth amendment
0: Okay, so the question was, the Framers said we have a right to enter, or excuse me, the Framers said in the Declaration of Independence here that we have the right to alter or abolish the government, and the Ninth Amendment says that we have unenumerated retained rights, that we have rights that aren't listed out, but we get to keep them anyway, because God gave them to us. Um, Can we construe a Ninth Amendment not, well, sorry, this I'm going to try to wrap my brain around this and say it out loud at the same time. The question is, can we construe a Ninth Amendment unenumerated right not to be regulated by agencies? Oh, I'm not sure that that's really a question. I think it's more rhetorical because I think the insinuation here is um, all of our rights are being attempted to be regulated in some way because there are so many freaking agencies out there at all different levels and different branches of government that um, really the government has its hands on us and controlling our every move and that um, all these unenumerated rights as well as the enumerated rights are being trampled upon repeatedly anyway. Um,
1: I, th- I think he, he is feeling like, well, we should be able to st- say, hey, I got the ninth amendment, leave us alone. And, and that's where, yes, Basically, the answer is yes, but you wouldn't just do that. They're, you know, taking in on the other steps of, you know, whether it's a cease and desist or, or whatnot.
0: Yes, and uh, you guys will see that in uh, at least a few of the things that I have filed on behalf of myself or uh, on behalf of the unofficially on behalf of the ten million people in the state of Michigan. Uh, when I was fighting against the governor's executive orders in Michigan in, in 2020, um, I think almost every single brief that I filed said uh, something about our unenumerated rights and the Ninth Amendment. It also talked about, in the Michigan Constitution, Article 1, Section 23. That's the unenumerated rights. And I want to say in Florida, it is Article 1, Section um,